There are some doctrines or truths in the Bible that we find difficult to fully understand, but we can still believe and hold on to them. Pastor Ed Taylor with one example. Now, if you're one that leans far to the side of God's sovereignty, I would encourage you, read through the scriptures and see how often man's free will is involved. And then if you're one that's far onto the extreme of man's free will, then hey, read through the scriptures and see how many times God's sovereignty is emphasized. And then notice how they work together. Well, go ahead, that's my problem. I don't understand how they work together. Isn't it enough for you just to read the Bible and believe it for what it says? How the free will of man cooperates with the sovereignty of God is a mystery. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Does God choose us or do we choose Him? Put another way, does the Lord elect some for salvation? Is He sovereign? Or do we have free will? While some Christians settle on one of those two sides, Pastor Ed Taylor believes the answer is somewhere in the middle. He'll explain on today's Abounding Grace. We're in the book of Romans chapter 8, unveiling God's purposeful plan for you. Let's lean in and see what the Bible has to say about God's predestination. There is this strict idea that God has chosen some and not others. And the call of the gospel then is only for those that are saved. And so then preaching the gospel, if you're not careful as someone that adheres to this, then you're preaching the gospel to people that really can't hear it and can't receive it and wouldn't receive it. And it makes the preaching of the gospel really, well, it makes it unnecessary, even though the Bible teaches that it should be so. It's a very damaging difficult place to be. Because I think we have to go back before Calvin, before men developed systematic theology and read the Bible. When we were in Genesis looking at the Garden of Eden, the question has to be asked, did Adam and Eve truly have a real choice or not? Did they have a genuine choice? All the days that they chose not to eat of the forbidden fruit, remember they had fellowship with God. They enjoyed God's fellowship of their own free will. They enjoyed it, and they were given instructions, enjoy everything about the garden, but. And it's so often what trips us up, too. Oh, enjoy everything about the Lord, but stay away from that. And you go, stay away from what? What am I staying away from? I got to know. I got to go check it out. And that's what happened. Now, when they, when they partook of that forbidden fruit, was it a free will choice or not? If it wasn't a free will choice, then they could blame God for sin. So, God, you set it up. It's all your fault. But God will not be blamed for sin. That's a truth throughout the scriptures. I believe Adam and Eve had a real bona fide choice. You see, if Adam was predestined to commit sin, then he could have turned around and blamed God for it. But sin isn't God's fault. God created a perfect world. Adam and Eve had a real choice. Adam could choose to eat or not to eat. And because of his choice, we studied it, didn't. Adam's decision has had consequences in every generation, every person was born into the sin of Adam. You see, ever since that choice, man has had a choice to relate to God or not to relate to God, to accept God or reject Jesus as the Lamb of God 
that takes away the sins of the world. Now, there's another extreme on the other side as the pendulum swings. And that would be something you might have known as Arminianism. Calvinism emphasizing the sovereignty of God. And there are extremes within that. Arminianism emphasizing the free will of man. And it's an equally devastating extreme as we find that those that may emphasize the teachings of Arminianists might emphasize man's free will to the neglect of God's sovereignty. The problem with that is that, see, when you look at man's free will and salvation depends on your free will, see, that's what Arminius taught. He taught that all choices of man were apart from God completely. They didn't involve God at all, that man was autonomous. You might even hear the phrase antinomianism. There is no law. There is no hindrance on man. The most troubling extreme of this is that since man chooses Jesus from this doctrine, he must continue to choose Jesus in order to be saved. You know what that looks like? That looks like this. You know what? I'm saved on Sunday. I blow it on Monday. I better get re-saved on Wednesday. I blow it on Friday. Better get back on Saturday night. And you're saved and you're lost and you're saved and you're lost and you're saved and you're lost. And that's not what the Bible teaches. You are safe and secure in Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, no one will snatch you from the Father's hands. And so you have this tension. You have extremes and the pendulum swings. I think the truth is somewhere down the middle. You know, when we start talking about this question, there are those that want to pigeonhole you. What are you? What do you believe? Are you a Calvinist? Are you an Arminianism? Listen, I have learned over the years to answer that question very simply. I am a Christian. That's who I am. You know, there was a time when I got saved where Jesus, I didn't know any of these things. I didn't even know Calvin existed. I didn't know there was an Arminius. I just knew Jesus Christ, he came to die for my sins. And I was a sinner, big time. I had enough sin to cover quite a few of you. And I accepted Jesus Christ, prompted by God. I had no desire for God. Then I had a desire for God. I accepted the offer of salvation, and my life has never been the same. And I've studied these things. I've studied them far more than just for this Bible study, because this is one of those questions that trips people up. You know, it's just like in the early church when... They, had, they decided that it was their responsibility to replace Judas, remember? And what did they do? They offered God two choices. Here you go. you got two guys for you, God. Choose between them. And sometimes in this doctrine, that's what we do too. Well, here you go, God. These are the two options. Well, what if it's not option A and it's not option B? What if it's option C? Right down the middle. Just kind of reading through what the Bible says and believing what the Bible says. Allowing the Bible to teach us allowing the Bible to speak for itself. If I can encourage you, church, in doing one thing, and that is reading the Bible and believing what it says. Believe what it says. Now, if you're one that leans far to the side of God's sovereignty, I would encourage you, read through the scriptures and see how often man's free will is involved. And then if you're one that's far onto the extreme of man's free will, then hey, read through the scriptures and see how many times God's sovereignty is emphasized. And then notice how they work together. Well, go ahead. That's my problem. I don't understand how they work together. Isn't it enough for you just to read the Bible and believe it for what it says? Can't Google that one, huh? Google it up. Because you're going to find things on both sides. It's going to confuse you even more. But just allowing the Bible to speak and believing what it says. How the free will of man cooperates with the sovereignty of God is a mystery. You know, there are a lot of mysteries in your life that you don't really have a problem. I mean, if I'm going to spend my time, one of the mysteries that really, really baffles me still to this day is the truth that God, while I was still yet dead in my trespasses and sins, sent his only begotten son to die for me while I was still ungodly. That's a mystery. 
Like, what did I have to offer God? I had nothing to offer God. And yet his love came to me anyways. That, that blows my mind. I can't explain that. Because, you know, apart from Jesus Christ, I don't operate that way. Do you? Do you go out of your way just in your flesh to love people that you don't like or don't like you? It's like, oh, could you give me a list of the 10 people that don't like me because in my flesh I want to love them, man. No way. In your flesh you want to snuff them out, don't you? You want somebody to like you. See, in the spirit, though, being conformed in the image of Jesus Christ, you now walk in that love and that joy and that peace and that patience and that kindness and that goodness and that faithfulness and that self-control. That's a mystery to me, that while we were still yet dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ Jesus, he died for the ungodly. I mean, if it was our plan, wouldn't we make a plan something like, we'll send a savior to die for the godly, the good people. But God, he goes to the very guttermost, doesn't he? And he raises up anyone who will call upon his name. That's a mystery that blows my mind. But you know what? I don't lose sleep over it. I just rejoice in it. I don't try to explain it away and give God two options. Is it A or is it B? And he just says, son, just rest in the truth that I love you. And I think it's the same with here. Flip over to Isaiah 55. Let me show you. Because God speaks to us. Whenever I wrestle with this or, you know, the question comes up on the radio or via email and, and it's an important thing and, the, and, and somebody will come and say, you've got to go on one of two sides. And I go, no, you know, it's, we believe it's right down the middle. We see the sovereignty of God working in cooperation with the free will of man. Well, explain it to me. I can't, I, I can't fully explain it to you. And it gets to this place where in Isaiah 55, I, I almost hear the Holy Spirit whispering this passage in my ear, just reminding me that God is God and I am not. And there are many things about God that I don't fully understand, but I believe and I trust and I hold on to. In Isaiah 55, notice verse 8. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Did you hear that? Do you believe that? I mean, it's true. God's thoughts are just, they're mind-blowing. And yes, he gives us insight and gives us direction and we read his word, but his thoughts, his, his way of thinking is so much greater than ours. And he goes on to say in verse 10, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. And so what does the church then do with the mysteries of God? Well, I found that the church likes to argue about them. I found that Christians like to fight over them. I found that Christians like to dig in their heels. Instead of being in awe of some of the tension that we find throughout the Bible in a variety of different ways, churches tend to be at odds and want to make their point. And you might come to one of the points and then you start wanting to convince other Christians of your way. And evangelism is completely stopped because now you've got a new view, a new understanding. It all makes sense to you. Now I've got to convince every other Christian that I know of my view. And that sense and that zeal for evangelism is gone. And we're now defending these doctrines instead of worshiping Jesus Christ and allowing that, his doctrine to flow through our lives. How careful we need to be, church. And after much prayer, much thought, much study, I'm content as a believer to simply answer the question, I'm a Christian, that's who I am. I don't side one way or the other. I read the Bible. I believe it for what it says. I've been called to preach the good news. I've been called to share the gospel. I've been called to disciple, to grow people in him and send them out. Don't let God's predestination trip you up. 
his ability to predetermine according to his foreknowledge, but let it inspire you. As these two truths are held in tension, you know, I'm not an engineer, my mind doesn't think that way, but I do know uh, some of what suspension bridges are made of. I've studied them and read through them, and, and it really is an interesting thing as, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge has these big, strong pillars that go down under the water into the bedrock, and they stand there in the water, and they're strong, and they're tall, and they're huge, and they're the very pillar and foundation of that bridge. But then they span these wires through the tops of them, and they go through, and that's what holds the two things, the tension and the pillars, are what hold that bridge together. You knock out the pillars, you lose the bridge. That's no problem. We don't have any problem with that. But did you know that if you cut the tension, you lose the bridge? In order for the bridge to be strong, it needs tension. And I believe in order for the Christian to be strong, there is tension that leads us to not lean on our own understanding and to cry out to the Lord. Say, I'm okay that I don't fully understand God, but I'm going to take you at your word. And I know these guys on this side have fully explained it. I know these guys on this side have fully explained it. But I'm content to be right down the middle. I'm just going to take that tension and I'm going to cry out to you so that you might teach me and lead me. And as a believer, you're predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Take it. Rest in it. Live in it. Rejoice in your relationship. And look for ways to grow in him, in his grace and knowledge. You know, there's a door of salvation if you want to use that picture, that's open to everyone. Flip over to John's Gospel, would you, chapter 7? That door of salvation is open to everyone who's hearing my voice right now. Tooting along down the street on the car or in the kitchen with the radio on. You got earphones in from your iPod. You're watching a video of this service. When you hear my voice, the door is open for you. Jesus cries out in John chapter 7, verse 37. He says... On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood, John 7, 37, and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You can jot this one down in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, whoever, or in the old King James, whosoever, I love that word, whosoever, whosoever desires. Flip over to John 3.16. John 3.16, it's whoever. You see, the door is open to whoever in the world believes in him. Whoever. Look at John 3.16. You go, oh, Ed, I've memorized this verse. I've, I know it. I don't need to turn there. But listen, it's good to kind of compare and to see with the eye and to hear with the ear and maybe because you've memorized, which is a great thing to memorize the word, that this verse just comes alive in your heart. But listen to it. Listen to Jesus when he's speaking to Nicodemus here and he's encouraging him. He says, oh, that God, he so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. That's God's part, right? That's God's part. And then notice that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 36 now, jump down. Chapter 3, verse 36. The door is open to you whether you believe or not. It says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, but he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You see, the door of salvation is open to you whether you believe or not. That's the choice. If you believe, the Bible says you're saved. If you don't believe, then you're lost. You're lost. You know, there's some heavy terms that the Bible uses for someone that doesn't believe. 
The Bible says that the wrath of God, the judgment of God abides on you. Well, wait a minute, Ed. Why would the judgment of God abide on me? I'm a good person. I mean, come on. I mean, I would not be, I look at all the people in the world and I would not be, look, and see myself on the list of God sending his wrath. But listen, the wrath of God comes upon those that reject him. Even if you are good. I've said this time and time again. I mean, to have good people is wonderful in this world. It just seems like we, more and more we live, the less good that we see and hear. So to have good people in the world is wonderful. But listen, the righteousness that God requires is not good. It's perfection. And if any of us have failed in one area, we failed in it all. We're not perfect. So we stand before God in imperfection. We might be imperfectly good, but imperfect nonetheless. And so to bridge that gap between man and God, he sent his only begotten son. I mean, he sent a rescuer. Or the word savior. We use the word savior so much that we forget. You know what a savior does? He saves. Isn't that great? He saves. Our Savior saves. You know who he saves? People that need to be saved. People that need to be rescued. People that need help. People that are separated from God. You know, no one has ever asked to be saved and been refused because they weren't predestined to be saved. There's never been anyone. In Romans, it will learn that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And no one that's ever called upon the name of the Lord has been refused with the word of, you're not predestined, too bad. The door is open. God sees you right now. And he knows whether you will or have accepted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you will or have, then he's predestined you according to his foreknowledge. He knows your heart. He knows what you will do. And he's not slack concerning his promise, the Bible says, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, a person, well, I know I'm speaking to a select few today, that you walked into the room today as an unbeliever. I know there might be phrases out there thrown out like you might have heard in churches that you're a seeker. But the Bible says really no one seeks after God, not in a salvation sense. I mean, I know you might be checking in and God might be drawing you right now and you're interested in spiritual things, but the right way to describe you is lost, unsaved. A person that desperately needs a savior. That you're spiritually drowning and there is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. None, zero, absolutely none. A church can't save you. A pastor can't save you. Giving millions of dollars to a church can't save you doing many good deeds in Jesus' name. You know, there's going to be a group of people that are surprised in those last days when they come to Jesus and say, look at all the things we've done for you. And Jesus will turn to them and say, I didn't know you. I never knew you. We never connected. You might have done a lot of things in my name, but you never surrendered your life. You've never received forgiveness of sin. And he says, depart from me. And as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have the privilege of sharing with you that that doesn't have to happen to you. That you can be right with your creator today. You're a whosoever. You know that? You're a whosoever. And whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling upon the name of the Lord is an admission that your sin has separated you from God and a turning from your sin and a turning to him. See, the, the sense of sin in your life hasn't come just by the words of the gospel, although the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, Paul told us. But the Holy Spirit has been convicting you of sin. And in just a few moments, you'll have an opportunity to respond to the invitation that God has for you to be saved. You see, a free will is important in order to have a true relationship. 
God didn't make us robots. He didn't make us dolls where you could pull out the thing in the back. I love you, God. <laughs> I mean, your kids love their dolls, but there's no connection, right? Pull the string, and all it says is the same old thing. And they're getting really fancy now with computers and stuff, but one drop into the tub, uh, it's over. <laughs> Our poor kids. Get them all this electronic gadgets, and they just break. Back in the old days, the string never broke, man. We're not like that with God, are we? We're not these chatty Cathy dolls that just kind of mimic what God wants us to say. We genuinely love God, amen? Amen. There's a genuineness of love because we have freely chosen him among all the false religions and all the false gods. We have come to a saving knowledge of the one true Savior, Jesus Christ, of our own free will. The real question is, is have you walked through that door of salvation yet? Have you chosen? Because the call of salvation is to everybody. The whole truth of predestination and election and the sovereignty of God is all for our comfort and encouragement. If we use that picture of door, one pastor once said, trying to grasp the beauty of this doctrine, he said that over the door into heaven is written, is written, whosoever will. And as you respond to that call, whosoever will, and you walk through that door, on the other side of the door, there'll be a sign on top that says, chosen from the foundation of the world. From the outside, it's the call, whosoever will. From the inside, it's, oh, from the foundation of the world, Lord, you've chosen me. And there's a connection between God and man. For the believer, you can look back today and say, I am saved. I have the assurance of my salvation I've been chosen, I've been elected, God foreknew me, God predestined me, I'm safe and secure in the arms of Jesus Christ, he has given me eternal life, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand, I have been given eternal life, and I shall never perish because of the work of God in my life. And it's encouraging, predestination, heavy doctrine, to determine beforehand, it's God's prerogative to do such, to mark out and appoint that God in advance, independent of you, but knowing you, chose you, called you, elected you, working in cooperation with your free will, living out your life to the glory of God. If you ever doubt that you have a free will, just pay attention the next time you fall on your face spiritually. You say something you shouldn't have said. Where did that come from? Your flesh. You say, I'm going to be there, but you're not there. I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do that. You get mad, you yell, you throw something, you kick something. You go, where did that come from? Could it be your free will? I would imagine so. And yet God in his sovereignty, his love never ends towards you. He's not going to kick you to the curb. He's going to draw you to himself and encourage you. He's going to draw you to himself and uplift you. He's going to draw you to himself and remind you of his faithfulness in your life. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor urged us to follow the Bible to speak for itself and find comfort and encouragement in what it has to say about God's sovereignty and man's free will. Isn't it nice to know we don't have to fully understand this, but we can just believe it? If you missed the first half of this message that we delivered yesterday, I'd encourage you to go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can listen to both segments of this talk that we've titled, God's purposeful plan for you, God's predestination. 
You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Calvary Aurora. Do you want to be used by God? I hope your answer is yes. And if so, you'll want to get a copy of Pastor Chuck Smith's book called The Man God Uses. It's our featured resource here in the month of March. Pastor Chuck reveals five essential components of prayer, the danger of the lukewarm gospel, and the secret to the apostle's boldness in the man God uses. He also underscores 14 characteristics to be found in the people God uses throughout the scriptures. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. You may not realize this, but we are listener-supported, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work. You'll be helping people all across the nation to become a man or woman that God can use. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in Romans. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. 